0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. The
1: galaxy The so down Sincere, so sincere.
2: All right, welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Burkowski, and we are in the summer of coaching. For those who are tuning in for the first time this summer, you know that we typically take the summer off. Um, but we decided this year, partly because I've been taking these amazing coaching classes and meeting cool people like Katie Martino, Dr. Martino, who's joining us today. Hi, Katie. Welcome. Hi thank
3: you yeah
2: and so I I was thinking to myself I should just ask these cool amazing folks if they'd be willing to come on and sure enough six seven or eight people volunteered and so we decided to do a summer of coaching so thank you Katie for for coming on this is fantastic yeah I'm actually really excited I really miss being with our class and not. yeah talking about coaching. (laughs) Absolutely. So, so just as a little background, Dr. Katie Martino has worked in public education for 18 years and currently serves as an elementary school assistant principal. Man, you've got your hands full, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All in good ways. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. She received her undergraduate degree in biology, received two master's degrees in education and human resource management, and a doctoral degree in 2014 with research focusing on collaboration in the workplace. Ah, you're, you're singing my song there, Katie. So (laughs) Living her values of loyalty, connection, and faith are central to her day-to-day and spending time with her husband, two children, and awesome dog Bowman bring big smiles to her face. That that brought a smile to my face there too. So her hope is to make a lasting impact on the world through empowering people to live their best lives. So thank you for that, Katie. That was lovely. So yeah, So you've got an interesting background. So you've got a mix of bio ed and human resources, and then some research on collaboration. That's how. Did that all sort of come together for you?
3: Yeah. You know, I think I try to look back and it's you're right. My path is very winding, I mm-hmm. guess, but, um, I just love to learn. So mm-hmm. I think anytime I get an opportunity to learn, I take it and I like to get to know people and just connect. Yeah. And so when I was in schools initially, and I'm sure you probably see the same thing. I'm like, it's not just about the teaching. There's so much more that goes into it, managing yes. the people and how we work together. Absolutely. And so i feel like as I learned that my studies just kind of went towards that.
2: Okay. Cool. So I went did into you...
3: human resource management, right? Yeah. Was, I don't do anything with,
2: but <laughs> it taught me skills, right? To help manage people. Absolutely. Did you teach bio at, at some point in your journey? I did. I taught middle school science for about 10 years. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you I for know. doing that. I just feel like middle school years are so hard. Wow. So it's good to have
3: people like you in there. They're the best though when they're not yours, right? Because (laughs) I feel like most often at schools, I hear like all these things, and I'm like, I don't see that here, and they're like, Yeah, okay, I guess that's good then.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, I mean, we're gonna get to the interview. You're probably like, Oh my gosh, she's asking me questions outside the the scope. But I'm curious when you. When you did your research on, when you did your research on collaboration in the workplace, what were sort of like, I don't know, a couple of, I know those dissertations are big and long, but like, what are a couple of takeaways that you got from your work? Yeah. So it was
3: interesting because, you know, I worked for a really big school district. And so I focused on nine um, elementary schools that were Mm -hmm. in a kind of cluster. So they had similar demographics and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Right. So what I found though, is that the leadership matters the most and how people collaborate. Mm. And I thought that was amazing. And it, when I say leadership, it's not always the leader or the principal. Mm. Um, and so people's mindsets really mirrored the feeling you got when you went in the building.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, if that makes sense, which I'm sure it probably does to you, right? Because you're yeah. in statistics
2: and all that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, I think that's such a good takeaway because I feel like you know, we read and spend so much time thinking about, you know, interventions and PD to do this work. But if you don't have the the space and culture and support and the leadership, it's mm-hmm. hard to do that work. Right.
3: Yeah, I think. Yeah,
2: totally. And what's most
3: important is how do you want to show up every day? Right. Yes. If you can create a culture where people want to show
2: up as mm-hmm. their best selves every day. Yep then you get their best selves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's a nice segue showing yeah. up as your best <laughs> self. That's such a nice segue into why I asked you to be on the podcast, which is about coaching. And Katie, the question I've been asking everybody just to start us off, and I don't think we, I know we were in a couple of triads or dyads together, but I don't mm-hmm. think we we talked about this one. So can you sort of talk about your first experiences with coaching, formal or informal? yeah, so I
3: thought about it a lot. And I was thinking, like, what actually defines a coach? right? Mm, because when I yeah. first read that question, I was like, Wow, I used to teach swimming and I helped coach soccer, right? So yeah. I'm a coach. So yeah to be right. yeah, um, but I think that's a really like traditional definition of a coach, mm-hmm. and the field has grown so extensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, I kind of think now, after taking our classes and, going, you know, getting some age behind me, I mm-hmm. guess, um, is I just kind of think coaching is how you can guide others mm. to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think probably my first experiences with that, mm-hmm. right, are, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a teacher, I, I'm all these other things too. So yep, yep. yep. it's hard to dip pinpoint the first moment.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, I like, I like that notion of guiding others. Um, And you're right. There are so many definitions of coach, right? Like in terms of sports coach, um, instructional coaches. So um, yeah. And
3: I think a lot of times, right. In instructional coaching and sports coaching and all different kinds of coaching, you're kind of imparting your knowledge Mm -hmm. on people so they can Mm -hmm. use your knowledge. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you found the same thing, but I found when we started the engagement coaching that it really was, how can we guide others? Yes. To figure out what they want. Mm. Yes.
2: Yeah. That's actually what I love about this style of coaching right? is that me
3: too. The, the
2: pressure, the pressure is not on me to have all the answers because I don't have all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I love, I think the other piece is not just that. I think the other piece that we talk a lot about in class, and I think we, we sort of, um, we, we act on it, right. Is that we honor the gifts that everybody already has within them. And we're sort of just helping each other unearth or notice those gifts in different ways. So I love that.
3: I totally agree. And I really have found that when you really start exploring people's different parts, even Mm. my own different parts, right. The parts that you would think were necessarily you call bad, right. They serve you in some way. Mm. And so I think when you find a way that all those different parts serve you. Yeah. You, you can almost feel more valued in yourself. Yes,
2: absolutely. And, and that translates how you show up. Absolutely. Yeah. I was speaking with, um, I don't know if you remember Erica Alexander, do you remember yeah. Erica? from yeah, yeah, class? Yeah. We were, we were laughing hard about the 2% rule. Yes. Do you remember that? <laughs> I love that. I say that all the time. What's the other 2%? Yep. Yep. So when you said like sort of the the things that we view as bad, mm-hmm. like it's finding that 2% in that sort of, mm-hmm. you know, difficulty. So yeah, I think you're so right.
3: Yeah. Sure. And do you find that carries over for you in like personal life too?
2: Oh, totally. Yeah. I feel like Jen Jen shared a new term with a or term I hadn't heard. She does a lot, she says she does a lot of self coaching and she calls it scoaching. Yeah. <laughs> which of course is is so Jen. And I was thinking, I do the same thing now. I'm asking myself, like, what's mm-hmm. come on, Carrie, what's the two percent in that? What's making you so upset right now? Find the two percent. So Right. And when you have a partner,
3: you know, you live with all the time, right? And (laughs) kids that you love to death, but like, yes, they have different perspectives too. (laughs) Yes, it helps. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) So I think related to that first, um, those first couple of questions, Katie is my curiosity around, You know, it sounds like you've been showing up coach, like for a long time. I mean, I think as educators, we're often naturally drawn to that, but it also, it sounds like as a swim coach and as a parent, I'm wondering, like, what was the point at which or what was going on that sort of you decided to take coaching classes? Mm Mm-hmm.
3: So interestingly, I work with someone who took the class, which mm. I know, you know, our instructor said that's largely how people continue to take the class. But sure. she said, was just singing its praises and how awesome it was. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. And I took it and I like drank the Kool-Aid hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, it, it made me better. It made my family better. It made yeah. how I show up at work better. Yeah. And, and it's simple, right? Which mm-hmm. is the most amazing part. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was it for me. I, I took it on recommendation of a friend and I, it's just amazing. And I couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah, that,
2: I totally agree. And, you know, my audience is familiar with coaching just because I've been singing its praises like you have, it sounds like mm-hmm. since I started taking classes, but I'm still trying to like really make it tangible. Cause I often feel like when we say coaching, it's like this ambiguous term that has lots of definitions. And so I'm wondering in your personal professional lives, Katie, how do you show up as a coach? Like, what does that look like? Yeah.
3: Um, I think that you show up present, Mm. right? Like you just show up and being present and in the style of coaching, you know, as you know, that we're learning and Mm -hmm. and kind of practicing each day, you just be willing to listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you ask the right questions, then people will start to hear their inner voice. And I think we have so much chatter in the world right now and technology is amazing, but it, it also, I think, creates a false sense of connection. Mm. And we see that a lot, especially in schools and, you know, even now more so with online learning,
2: mm-hmm.
3: it's different. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Different. It's just different. So I think when you can show up present and curious and just willing mm-hmm. to listen, yeah, amazing
2: things can happen. Absolutely. What do you think? I'm, I'm thinking, I know you have kids and students. What mm-hmm. do you think the impact has been on them when you show up present and more coach-like as you describe?
3: Yeah. So for me, I think that for so long, I felt pressure to just make kids learn, right? Mm-hmm. Make my kids behave, make certain things happen in my house a certain way, right? Like I'm very type A, but you know, I just felt it's so much pressure and you don't realize it until, you know, this style of coaching has allowed me to see that people are amazing. They don't Mm -hmm. need me to do that. They can do it themselves, including my kids. Yeah. When they have the right structures in place Mm -hmm. and they can trust themselves and I think the biggest thing for kids that I'm kind of trying to work into showing up more coach like at school is how can I help them show up confident mm. that they can just do it and, and make the right choices?
1: Mm.
2: That's awesome. It sounds like, you know, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like as you are showing up coach like for your students and your kids and whomever, it sounds like you're getting some benefit out of it as well. Is that is that true? It, and-
3: changed my life a hundred percent I'm not even yeah I can't which is weird right I mean I guess it's not weird but there are very few things I think that you can say change your life Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and it has completely changed my perspective and I think when you look at it like I don't have to impart anything but I want to empower someone else Mm -hmm. it it gives the power back to them, right? Like I almost wonder, have I inadvertently taken the power away from like even kids to make decisions Mm -hmm. because I'm telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. And there's a place for that a hundred percent. Sure. But I think there's also a time to step back and just see what happens.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting. Have we taken the power away from even the kids? I hadn't thought about that. And when you said there's a place for that, I don't know. Like, I mean, safety, maybe like that's the like safety is the one place that popped in my head when you said there's a place for that. Are there other you 100%. think appropriate? Yeah. You know, I was
3: thinking certain things, right? So my I have two kids, one's Mm -hmm. my daughter's four and my son's 15. So they're at vastly different stages of life. And my son Mm -hmm. just got his first job and we were teaching him how to use a bank account, like open his bank account. Got it. For me, I'm not going to ask him powerful questions (laughs) to try to get him to understand right how this process works. I'm just going to show you. Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, I think those kind of skills related things we teach. Yeah, okay. But the aptitude stuff, like the curiosity and how they kids treat other kids. And, and sometimes we almost jump in too quickly. I think Mm. you got to let them figure it out. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was listening to, um, a podcast and honestly, Katie, I don't know if you feel this way during the pandemic, my days and weeks just run together. So I know it was in my past. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the gentleman had written a book and he was talking about the advice trap. And he was saying that like, if we move, too quickly to give advice, nine times out of 10, we're addressing the wrong problem. And it, that's what it sounds like to me that you're talking about.
3: Yes, but I think so often, though, we feel this pressure to make things appear a certain way. And yeah. we can do that when we control it. But the bottom line is, and I've always said this, we can't control anyone. I cannot. Mm. And so if you empower kids or people, then you don't have to control.
2: Mm. and that's freeing almost absolutely what are you I'm trying to think how to ask speaking of questions how to ask this question what are you trying to do like as a school leader like what are you trying to sort of help your school look like or paint it so that so that these things can sort of emerge in the ways that you're describing like what does that look like for you in your building
3: No, I love that question. So I'm kind of on this path of self-discovery in this process as well. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of, I did this experiment. We have kids back in the building, which I'm grateful for. Um, And I took this um, block tower and I took it to a kindergarten class and let's try to build the tallest tower. And it fell. And they were like, it's okay, Dr. Martino, let's rebuild it. I'm like, great. And we rebuild it. Right. We probably rebuilt this thing too many times yeah but it was fun and then I did it in each grade level and by the time I was up in fifth grade once it fell they're like forget it it's not gonna work and I'm like wait a second what happened Mm. but I think part of what happened is we tell kids what to do and if what we tell them doesn't work they look to us to see what what will work but when they're five they don't as you know right because your kids are young yes they just keep trying until they figure it out and So my vision is hopefully to create a school where we encourage kids to keep trying and keep exploring and Mm. and not worry when the tower falls, Mm. not worry when, what happens if you fail the test? You know what happens? Nothing, literally Uh, nothing. That's right. That's right. I mean, not to take away from the importance of it, but you know, Yeah. Yeah. but what happens if you don't learn the material? And that's That's what I try to tell the kids then you're sure you're missing out yeah
2: yeah that reminds me of some question. i mean lots of powerful questions but one that i've i've sort of is sort of a go-to for me these days is i'll ask a client like what's important to you right and so yes. i can imagine talking to a kid or asking a kid like if they're worried about the exam well what's important to you learning the material okay well let's forget about the grade on the exam let's learn the material right like it sort of reframes this focus on the right. exam mm. but
3: imagine if we could really create a culture where we could say forget about the grade and that <sighs> was a thing mm. right if you got as the chances you needed to just understand the material
2: mm-hmm. yeah do you think I, there's I, do you think there's an appetite for that in this country and I don't I know you're a school mm. leader and I don't want to put you on a week in a no. weird place but I'm just no, curious not at all. yeah mm, I think
3: if we could shift the mindset, I don't Mm -hmm. understand how there wouldn't be. I do think grades are important, Yeah, but I don't think how many times you try to get somewhere, changes that you got there.
2: Mm, Yeah. It seems like, I mean, I am not a social media, like I'm not on it all the time, but I've been noticing more articles about doing away with grades, particularly in higher ed. I think in higher ed, it's a little bit easier because the rules are different. Um, mm-hmm. So I wonder like, is that, is that real momentum or is that sort of a, a trend, you know, just somebody talking, I'm just curious. So, yeah,
3: you yeah. know, and I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, because I do think like, if you get a do away with grades, what's the measure? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. There yeah. has to be something. Sure. Yeah. But what if we looked at it as the path to get to the mm-hmm. grade? So when I was teaching um, and writing was always a struggle when I was in the classroom and I told all the kids, okay, here's the deal. Every one of you will get an A in this class. If you do exactly what I tell you to do, um, you're going to write, I'm going to give you feedback and we're going to keep going. And I did it for the whole quarter, but at the end of the quarter, I gave it back and I gave them the day that they actually got the A. Oh,
2: cool. and then we
3: talked about how much their writing had improved. So if they just stopped at the A, mm. they would have missed out on this opportunity to reflect and write and mm. add to their work. Wow. And they most always all ended up with A's and they were always shocked. Like, did you didn't give me the A in October? And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> but isn't it so awesome you still earned it? Yeah,
2: but you're doing cool stuff with your school. I love that. I love yeah. how a simple like building of blocks sort of opened a door for you into sort of what your kids, your students are up to. So that's really- Right,
3: but I think it's if you show up curious.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Right? Like, I
3: don't have all the answers.
2: And these kids can teach us stuff too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. This thing, this grade thing is interesting um, because I think you're right. I think it could be a part of the story, but it doesn't have right. to be the whole story, right? It could be, you know, what are you noticing? You know, you got a grade. So, what are you noticing about that grade? Well, let's mm-hmm. talk about what is that, you know, why is that making you feel that? I just think, yeah. You're right, there's a lot you could do with just the grade itself, so.
3: Right, and I think it has meaning because we attach meaning.
2: Yes, of course. So imagine right. if
3: we relooked at the meaning of it. Yes,
2: that's right. Yeah, I had, um, Shannon Fleischman was on, she's a sociologist at Chesapeake College and we got into a short, a little discussion, it could have been very long on sort of how everything is socially constructed, right? So we've socially constructed that, val- that, that grades are everything. Um, yeah. And so it's really, yeah, it has serious implications. Wow. What a, I do think
3: what they're important, cool. right? And I do think you want to, kids feel proud when they do yes. well. And yeah. we feel proud when we do well. Sure. But if we don't define what doing well looks like, mm-hmm. then we're yeah. always reaching for something that we'll, we don't necessarily will ever get.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you wonder sort of thinking about coaching, like, you know, I'm trying to think of like powerful questions. It's like, is it the grade or is it what's wrapped in the grade? So like, what could pride look like for you outside of a grade, right? Like how could we package it in such a way that I'm still super proud of you and this accomplishment, but does it have to be, you know, an ABCD or E or F whatever you use now? So that's Really interesting. So, um, you you kind of mentioned you kind of answered this one. So I'm going to skip to the the next one. We talked a little bit about benefits both for you and and your students and yeah. family. Something else I've been asking people because because I'm really curious is when do you think it's a good time to sort of seek the support of a coach? What do you what do you think about that? Yeah. So
3: I think I thought about that question when I read it, and I think that it's a good time when you're ready. Mm. And I think, you know, when you're ready, if you're feeling like you're facing changes or you're unsure Mm -hmm. of what your inner voice is telling you, or, you know, sometimes stuff happens and you just don't necessarily like how you showed up, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: right? Especially during the pandemic, I feel like we are all under this amazing stress and pressure. And, you know, we were lacking kind of that connectiveness in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And so... It was a good time to reevaluate.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What would you, like if you were, I mean, I know you've had coaching classes, so maybe you have a little bit of a leg up in this area, but like what kinds of things would you, you know, if you could give like a couple of pieces of advice or tips in terms of, okay, so I have a coach in front of me, either face-to-face or in Zoom. What might you ask the person to sort of figure out if this is sort of the right coach for you?
3: Yeah, so I thought about four questions that I kind of think are good to ask. Okay. Yeah, so I thought like, what do you look for in a client?
2: Mm, that's a good one. Because
3: I think when people kind of tell you their vision, you can see if they align. Yep. Um, how did you view the coaching process? Mm, that's a big one. Right. Right. Because they're just different styles because they're different people. Um, I love when people ask, what are your values? Yeah. And, and I think it can just tell you so much. Yes. Um, and maybe if you don't necessarily know your values, what's important to you?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Those kind of questions. And then yeah. I think, um, do they have their own coach? Oh, that's because I think it says a lot. If the person is one willing to say yes,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right. Cause we're all trying to figure it out. That's right.
2: That's
1: right. And
3: through the coaching classes we went through, I thought it was so empowering that we showed up as our authentic selves with real problems (laughs) and got coaching on it. And I'm like, I need a coach.
2: Totally agree. I, I think that's to me, that's one of the like, I mean, I love learning all the skills and the bonus of that is like, we got to actually be coached by amazing people, which Um, yeah, I never, just the transformation that happens in so many like dimensions for these classes is pretty Mm -hmm. amazing. Um, I love, I love that you brought up, ask about values or what's important to you. Cause I have to say, I don't know how you were feeling Katie, but when we learned this was so early in the class, the mining for core values, I was like, everybody in my orbit needs to Uh. do this (laughs) exercise. I went
3: home, I did it with my husband, I did it with my son, I did it with my principal. I did it. I I like anyone to listen. I'm like, do you want me to help you discover? I did it (laughs) as a whole group session with my entire staff. Oh, nice. Nice. And then we put together like a wordle, like a word art. Yes. yes. Everyone's values. Yeah. We like reframed it in the office. And I'm like, imagine like we have all these amazing beliefs in this building and we can choose to show up that way.
2: Yeah. What did your, like, what was your staff's reaction after you did it with them? Like, what were they saying? So it was
3: interesting. So I asked everyone to kind of, you know, hang it on a post-it or something for two weeks and let's go back and talk about it. And a lot of people were just impressed at how simple it was, Mm. but how much it really changed how they respond to things. Mm. So when you put it back on someone, right? And say, okay, well, does that decision align with your values? Mm. That's a big question. It is a big question. And sometimes, right, you're sitting there and you're like, "Nope, no, nope. it sure doesn't." <laughs> I need to make that right. Okay, yeah,
2: that's awesome. Well, good for you for being brave to like bring that to your your building. That's how did your yeah. principal receive it?
3: I'm I'm so lucky because he is always into my uh, ideas awesome. and. They're usually, you know, I'm like, I took this coaching class. Let's try this. I'm doing this. Let's try this. I saw these kids building blocks and now what I think is this. And he's like, okay.
2: That's fantastic. Oh, I love it. I love when we work with people like that, that are just because I usually have to say, okay, I need to design in something. You need to stay open and curious. And I'm going to tell you these crazy things that we're going to do. So, yes, that's that's fantastic. So, yeah. So, in addition to mining your core values, because that sounds like that's a favorite, did you have any other favorite skills in the coaching class? So I think my, I loved unattachment mm.
3: because I think for me, I, I didn't, I never even realized how much pressure I put on myself to make sure that my bubble ran how I thought it should be running. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and so it's, it was just freeing.
1: Mm.
3: It's freeing. Yeah. Um, But I like just being present too, you know, yeah. I think you got to listen to what people say, but hear what they're not saying. Yes. And that's like the biggest skill yeah. for me. Absolutely. So
2: what do you think? Do you have of- a favorite? Do oh, I have no. a favorite? Um, oh, there's so many, it's hard to pick. No. Um, I agree with you. The, for me, we were talking earlier about self-coaching the, the unattachment one has been a really good one for me because if I show up at a meeting, cause I'm, Um, my audience probably knows this already, but I'm like super emotional. And so like I can show up with like my emotions at the like right on the surface of of my skin. And so, you know, when you're in a a meeting with other faculty or whatever, you have to, you know, self-manage. And so it's been really good for me to be able to say, okay, why are you so attached to this? Can you just sort of, you know, to just sort of Mm -hmm. use that metacognition to sort of think through, what's going on? Like, why are you feeling that way? And and release myself yeah. from that. So
1: I
3: think it's so awesome that you say that, right? Because I think that when you're feeling some kind of way, it's because of something that's going on in you. Totally. Where before I would put it on what someone else hadn't done. And that's why it bothers me. But now I'm like, wait a second,
2: yep. you're bothered. They're not bothered. That's right. So what's yep. happening? That's right. And that's what that's, I'm glad you said that, because I think I hadn't articulated it that way, but I do think even things like when we did, um, like saboteur wrangling and thinking about voices, you know, what's the story Mm -hmm. you're telling yourself. It's like, it really becomes self-work, right? It's not about the other person. It's like, what's going on with you? Like I used to say, well, so-and-so, you know, was being mean to me. I mean I wouldn't say, it, but something like that. Right. And it's sure. like, is that really what it was? Or is it just like something has happened mm-hmm. in the in your day or in your in the other experiences? So it's been really good. I mean, believe me, I still have a ton of work to do. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> um, but I feel like it's pro it's progress that I'm at least noticing, right? Like the first yeah. battle of this is I feel like the first first step is noticing. So I do a lot of noticing. I'm not always good at you know, the next step, but, um, but I'm definitely noticing and trying to pay attention to how I'm reacting and why. So, yeah. So I think, um, that I agree with you, the, the unattachment, the core values, I felt like you, I was like, I felt like I to everybody, I was like, stop the presses, stop whatever yes. you're doing right now. We need to do core values work right now. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it was
3: funny because I did it with my 15 year old, and one of his came up, and it was sleep. And I, at first, I'm like, "How? What? That is not." And then I'm like, "You know what? This is his core value. Not yeah. maybe he loves sleep. He's 15. <laughs> of course he loves sleep. I I love sleep, right?" <laughs> and so it was good even to keep practicing. Yeah. And thinking like when I did it with my staff, I, whatever anybody answered was okay, okay great. <laughs> but why did it come up for me when I saw my sons, and I'm like, "What? No, yeah." And then that I'm like, is, this is awesome. It's exactly what it should be.
2: That's right. It is hilarious though, like sleep as a core value. I love that that he's just yeah. like owning that. He's like, yep, that's my core value right now. And it does make sense, right? A 15-year-old. So um they and need to. It's kind their of sleep. a running
3: joke now in our house. Like if he sleeps in, he'll be like mom live in my core values. I'm like, come <laughs> on now, buddy. <laughs> you still gotta wake up.
2: <laughs> that's awesome.
3: Yeah. Oh my goodness. So so what do you think's
2: hard about coaching?
3: So I don't know, that I would say this is necessarily hard, but I do think it requires kind of an aptitude of a certain skill set.
1: Mm. And
3: I think for me, the most important is, can you create a space where people can just show up as they are? Mm. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. we do have a culture where we want to give advice and And I wonder, like I said earlier, if we're we're always giving advice, are we robbing people of the chance to to hear what they want?
2: Yeah. Mm. Need to sit with that. I love that. Right. That's Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause it is, it's like, cause you had said earlier, um, not just what they say, but what they're not saying, right. Like really leaning in. And I feel like It's just making me think, and again, this is so great, Katie, because I hadn't thought about this. Like coaching, coaching isn't just your action, right? Right. It's just quietly sitting and having, holding space Mm -hmm. for somebody Mm -hmm. else. Um, And that
3: can be uncomfortable for some Oh,
2: for all of us. For all of us. Let's be honest. For
3: all of us. Right. And I think it's a skill when you can just sit Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and let the
3: person think through and, and just respond and that's that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'd be curious how you were feeling Katie, but those first couple of weeks in the first class, I was like, so nervous. I'm like, no quiet, quiet space is not good, right? Like you're trying to think of a powerful question. And and as we move through that course, I felt like, again, I'm still working on it, but I felt like being quiet and just letting, you know, if, if you, if I was coaching you and I asked a question and you need a moment to process I was getting better at just letting you process instead of trying to fill. How did, how were you feeling those first couple of weeks?
3: No, I totally agree. And when Jen first <laughs> told us, you're just going to show up and bring your authentic self. And I'm like, wait, what? We're talking about our own problems <laughs> with strangers. Like I, I, who does that? Yeah. Does do that. Yeah. But it was so organic and it so was. easy. And, but I think it's almost because Jen and Antoine created that space mm, Yes, where we could mess up. We could. Talk, not talk. Yeah, you know, go through the process, and they were such cheerleaders. I they feel were. like that they it almost made it easier to just be.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's such a such an interesting way to sort of be coming to the end of our conversation because we started the conversation talking about collaboration in the workplace, and what you said is it takes leadership not necessarily the leader who has the leader role, but anybody who's a leader to create those spaces for collaboration. And I feel like you just described Anton and Jen right. doing yes. that sort of work that you right. described in your dissertation, which is kind of, kind of cool.
3: I never thought about that, but yeah, I like how you put it out. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
2: It's like that, that leadership shows up in all sorts of ways, whether it's in a classroom or your family unit or, you know, a mm-hmm. leader of a building. So that's. That's cool. That's really cool. So, so I'm wondering, Katie, is there, I always like to ask my guests, speaking of, of holding space, is there anything else you would like to share that we didn't touch on today in our conversation?
3: So I thought about it when I saw the question. And I think the one thing that I would like to share is they talk about a lot in coaching and the sessions are like 10% of the work, right. Mm -hmm. And then 90% happens outside of it. And I think that's just super important for people to understand. And I liken it to when in education, I call it. I've always used the analogy. You can't keep watering the plant without letting it grow. Right. So like you got to water the plant and let it do stuff with it, use the nutrients, work them out. And then you can water it again. Mm. But if you just continually keep watering the plant,
2: Mm. right.
3: The plant will die. So I think it goes back to the same thing, right. Giving space. And so I, I was doing a coaching session and, um, one of my clients followed up with me and she texted me the other day and she said, I've been thinking a lot about what we talked about. And I'm like, "Yay! Yay! it's growing. right?" So the coaching sessions aren't just the coaching sessions, but it's what you do with, um,
2: that's right. When you leave. Mm, That's such, thank you for bringing that up. I think that's, that's a good tip for clients and coaches. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we also talked about being type A, being grade focused, being outcome focused. And as a coach, you can expect to have like a quote unquote, I'm putting air quotes so I can see like accomplish something at the end of that session. It doesn't necessarily who knows what'll happen. So yeah.
3: And I don't think it can be all wrapped up in a bow. And I'm a person that likes things wrapped up. <laughs> so I don't like to leave things open. I know yeah. you'll probably understand that, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> so to leave. But when you're working with really tough stuff, sometimes you got to leave it tough a little bit to think through all the options. That's right. And so leaving things in an awkward moment, maybe, Mm. or not feeling like there's been a resolution Mm -hmm. can be hard, but I think that's the process.
2: Yes, absolutely. That's so cool. Uh, That's that's a good way to conclude. I'm gonna give you the last word there because that was amazing. So, um, I have so much gratitude, Katie, for you coming on and taking time out of your busy, busy school day to to chat with me. Um,
3: I'm so glad you're doing this. I can't yeah. wait to hear everyone's episodes. I feel yeah. like so
2: much. I hope so. Yes, it's been like I said. It, it feels like so much gratitude and privilege. So, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. This has been. Another episode of Tell Me This, the Summer of Coaching edition, and look for a few more episodes to drop soon. All right, take care,
1: everybody. Thanks. So sincere.